Hi, I'm David Freudberg, host of Humankind. I've been thinking a lot lately about civility. Of course, basic politeness and exercising good manners is essential. But I think civility, real civility, goes deeper. It means to choose our words carefully and thoughtfully in non-hurtful ways. It means to be respectful of how another person sees the world even when we heartily disagree. And to maintain a sense of humility, because as a wise friend of mine used to say, we could always be wrong. These are lofty goals which I practice imperfectly, of course. But that's the tone we strive for in these programs. Thank you for listening. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and a grant from the Henry Luce Foundation. I have found over the years in um, trying to help other people in their spiritual life that uh, the one thing that almost everybody responds to is gratefulness. It is central uh, to all the different uh, religious traditions, all the great spiritual traditions, uh, and it is also an attitude that rings true to many people who don't want to have anything to do with spirituality, or religion particularly. And people will say, oh, gratefulness, to be truly grateful for life and grateful in life, and that is my religion. Brother David Stendel-Rost and others on the profound benefits of cultivating a daily practice of simple gratitude. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. I recently visited a friend coping with a profound physical disability. But he wasn't sinking into self-pity, although it would be understandable if he did. Instead, my friend talked about the kindness of strangers, on whom he now depends for his very survival. It reflects a choice he'd made to cultivate gratitude, even when up against a daunting obstacle. Gratitude does not deny real problems. It reframes how we experience them. And being grateful allows us to enjoy even everyday things we might otherwise take for granted. What I'm most grateful for is just having resources. Um, and resources, I mean, you know, electricity, running water. Sylvia Estrada is a nurse practitioner at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, the hospital complex in Los Angeles. When we spoke, she sat with a fellow nurse, Sherry Goldman, who was recovering from a foot injury. We're in an institution where it's well, world-renowned, and we have all the diagnostic imaging um, services, and I do volunteer work, and I go into um, underserved, underdeveloped Latin American countries where there's nothing. And, and as then, a nurse? Yes, a nurse practitioner, yes. We have to arrange our work schedule when there's electricity, when there's running water, um, the simple fact that I don't have a disposable exam table, you know, paper, I have one bed sheet that I have to become very creative in how to fold it and angle it so that the next person can come on top. And then, you know, at the end of the day, have, hand it to someone to wash for the next business day. Now that, in and yeah, of itself. 
in, in comparison to the available resources in a typical American right. clinic? Yes. And may I ask what countries? I go into Latin American countries. I've been into Nicaragua, Guatemala, Peru. Yeah, very. And are you originally from the United States or from elsewhere? No, I was born here in, the, in California, uh, but my parents are from Mexico. Okay. And so it, it's always been um, a dream as a child to be able to help others. And then when I became a, a nurse and then a nurse practitioner, I realized that I needed to go into other areas where perhaps I'd be uh, needed as far as uh, help. Shuri, would you have something? I realize that it might be an awkward moment now that you're injured to ask what you're grateful for. Well, of course, I'm grateful for good health. But, you know, Sylvia really hit on something. I am grateful for others. It's always been, I've always been the same way. You know, when I, when I was a kid, I remember thinking how lucky we were to grow up. I did much the same thing that Sylvia did. I used to work for the um, flying angels, and we used to take a small plane down to Baja, California. And every time that I would see others in a different environment, it would make me value so much of what goes on here. Um, I kiss the ground when I come back. I really do, because we have, even though there's so many complaints about the infrastructure and the government and so forth, this is probably the best country in the whole world. And when I say I am grateful for others, what I mean is I, too, really want to reach out and help as many people as I can, because they don't have the same opportunities that we do. They really don't. And being a nurse was something I always wanted to do, too. My aunt was a nurse, and she was sort of my role model. And I used to watch her and the way she cared about others. And, you know, it really made a mark on me. It really did. So I'm grateful for others. Gratitude helps us notice the many gifts we're freely given. Even when it appears the chips are down, there are hidden mercies that can help to compensate. These gifts can transform a challenging circumstance into something more bearable, an affirmation that all is not lost. Frank Rogers at the Claremont School of Theology in Claremont, California, has pondered this truth. My own journey has been uh, a difficult journey. Um, I'm, I'm an abuse survivor myself, and a lot of my work comes out of just the years and years of agony of trying to make um, find resources for life in the midst of crippling depressions and rages and uh, interior uh, uh, stirrings that were just debilitating. And um, so my deepest gratitude is for the, the in incredible sources of grace and care that have come my way that have opened me up to a, a healing journey that um, actually led into the work on compassion that I do. Um, and I, for those sources, I mean everything from just moments of being connected to um, just a, a profound sense of the uh, utterly compassionate essence woven into the universe and finding myself held in that and, and beloved in that no matter what, even in, in the midst of the darkest, even in, in, a, in an asylum, in a, in a padded room where I'm just so enraged I couldn't be in public even in that space, feeling surrounded by a grace that uh, was absolutely stilling and life-affirming. Is that um, an unconditional love? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
without judgment, absolute understanding, absolute uh, care, grace, unconditional, yeah. Frank Rogers is author of Practicing Compassion. Because it can be such a powerful tool in shaping our perceptions, the experience of being grateful has recently been the subject of fascinating scientific research. What are ways to reinforce personal gratitude in difficult times? And what are the benefits of maintaining this outlook? Robert Emmons is professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis. Sure, when the terrible things are happening, nobody feels grateful for them. I mean, how could you? That would be you know, absurd to be, feel grateful for losses and suffering and crises and, uh, and illness to loved ones and so on. But yet, with, with these events comes a perspective, a recognition that, you know, that life contains more reasons to be grateful than not. I think that's what the grateful people do. They're able to, to transcend these temporary circumstances and view life in its entirety. And they just have a worldview that, that informs and instructs them that, that life is really about um, opportunities. It's about seeing, you know, the giftedness even in, even in trials. And this, you know, I think is a you know, primary source of strength and enables them to cope with all sorts of difficulties. Looking for that silver lining. That's right. That's right. Is gratitude something a person can actually practice? Uh, in other words, is it a skill that we can get better at? Well, I think actually it has to be practiced. I don't think it comes easily or naturally or effortlessly for most of us, certainly not for me, though I, you know, I, I spend my time doing research on gratitude and talking about it and writing about it, it's something that's never come easily or naturally to me. It really has to be practiced, and there's a whole history in, in spiritual writings and devotional writings about various disciplines, spiritual disciplines, things that we have to, we have to effortfully do. We have to intentionally decide to cultivate uh, gratitude. Um, I just don't think it comes naturally. There's just so many obstacles to it, you know, that psychologists tell us that the tendency to, to look on the dark side, that what's known as the negativity bias, just pervades our consciousness and how we interpret our lives and ourselves and the world around us. And so we need, we need to gain control over our consciousness. And one way to do that is, you know, through the practice of, of developing gratitude, whether that comes through you know, gratitude journal, whether it comes through other thoughts and cognitions by which we can replace, you know, the, the, the non-grateful thoughts, the perceptions that I'm entitled to this or I'm, I deserve this, I've earned it. We have all sorts of beliefs and perceptions and we make comparisons in our head which go against gratefulness. One technique sometimes used by practitioners of gratitude is to compile a list of reasons to be grateful intended to record the many things we can be thankful for, partly to shift our focus away from life events that can trigger negativity and despair. It's a recognition that we do choose where to direct our attention, and it offers a path to what Robert Emmons calls emotional prosperity in his book Gratitude Works. People exercise more when they were keeping gratitude journals relative to a group who were not keeping those journals. They were bothered less every day by aches and pains. Uh, in one study, we found that they, their sleep was enhanced. They slept longer per night. Their quality of their sleep was enhanced. They felt more refreshed when they woke up. Um, you know, we think that gratitude as a form of 
uh, dealing with stress is going to be beneficial because it reduces some of the harmful effects of uh, stressful emotions on, on physical systems. So there's just a number of ways in which gratitude is linked to you know, physical health. So why do you think that if a person has a more grateful frame of mind that they'll exercise more, they'll feel fewer aches and pains, they'll sleep better? Yeah, I think so, a lot of it is the focus of attention, right? Um, and then the finding that it produces higher levels of energy. So you feel more alive and vital and alert and active and energetic uh, because you are noticing and, and you're more aware of the benefits and, 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 and positives and and um, things around you. And so this it seems to be an energy enhancer. So gratitude really gives a person more vitality. It does. It does. There, there's, a, there's a zest, uh, a vitality, a feeling, a feeling of aliveness, feeling just of being, being awake and being alert that um, seems to lead a person who's already predisposed to exercise. You know, I doubt it's going to take a, a couch potato and turn them into a marathon runner, you know, but it's, it's going to be enough to, uh, to increase the motivation. And then people also want to take better care of their bodies because they tend to view their, their life and their health as a gift. And so when we view something as a gift, we're motivated to protect, to nourish, and, and to take better care of it. And so they're more likely not only to exercise more, but to engage in other preventive health behaviors, more likely to wear a bike helmet for example, more likely to go to the doctor for regular checkups, more likely to adhere to their medical uh, recommendations, for instance, to take their medication or change their diet. All associated with being uh, more grateful. That's right. Perception that, that life is a gift, that physical health has to be, has to be taken care of. So there's this self-responsibility that comes along with feeling gratefulness, and that's reflected in how a person you know, treats his or her body. We're considering how the simple practice of maintaining gratefulness, even in the face of adversity, can ease our burdens and enhance personal well-being, including physical health. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information and to obtain an audio copy of this segment, An Attitude of Gratitude, please visit humanmedia.org. At Mount Savior Monastery in Ithaca, New York, the Benedictine monks express their gratitude through sacred chanting. One of the monks leading a secluded life here is Brother David Stendel Rost, born in Austria and living for many years in the United States. A conscious focus on gratitude has become integral to his spiritual practice. All the different uh, aspects of my life that have to do with uh, happiness and joy in life are in some way connected with gratefulness. Uh, when I'm grateful, I'm joyful. When I'm grateful, I'm more awake, more alive, more mindful than I am at other times. Brother David has spent years deepening his sense of gratitude as a basic tool for leading an enlightened life. 
He says in certain periods of pain and sorrow, he frankly finds it difficult to radiate wholehearted gratefulness, but he maintains it as a theme that can open the door to a fuller, more satisfying existence. It helps people uh, live more intensely, uh, live more joyfully. Uh, it, it is really the key, gratefulness is the key to a happy life, the key that we hold in our own two hands. Uh, because if uh, we are not grateful, no matter how much we have, uh, we will not be happy because we'll also want to, always want to have something else or have some more of the same. Uh, but if we are grateful, even though we have very little, or grateful even for what other people might consider problems or difficulties, uh, great challenges in our life, health challenges or professional challenges or whatever, handicaps, if we are grateful, we will not only overcome these challenges, but we will be that much more alive and that much more creative through our grateful attitude. In other words, uh, gratefulness activates our lives. Brother David Stendel Rost points out that a posture of gratitude is hardly meant to gloss over genuine problems or to discourage us from social responsibility. Rather, it's a way to sharpen one's vision, to see situations more clearly, to respond not with egocentricity and emotional bias, but with accuracy. It's a triumph of realism. Uh, I, I like to think of uh, gratefulness as a particularly realistic attitude towards life and towards the world. Um, because our appreciation of the world is, is, very, is always selective. We, uh, if we paid attention to everything that happens, obviously uh, it would be an overload and we couldn't do it. Since, since we know it is selective, we can catch ourselves in a mood in which we are selecting uh, mostly the negative aspects and can redress the balance and uh, focus on positive things and tell ourselves, look, reality is not all black or all white. Uh, if you see it as all black, well, uh, focus on the lightest uh, aspects. In this sense, I think it's, it's a, a move towards realism, to, towards facing reality as it is. the fact that most of us are generally healthy and, and generally well-fed and generally comfortable, why do you think it is that we so often paint ourselves into a corner of negative thinking? <laughs> uh, that may have something to do with uh, uh, jealousy and, uh, and greed, I'm afraid. Uh, and that is something that's uh, it's a giving in to, towards peer pressure because uh, our society is very much geared towards always wanting more. Uh, no, if, if you, you can hardly avoid uh, being exposed to advertising in one form or the other. 
and advertising will always tell you that there's something that you haven't got and that you should have in order to be really happy. Well, uh, if, that, if you're bombarded by this kind of a mentality and also uh, if you are in the company of people who have given in to that kind of mentality, then frugality will be very difficult for you. But uh, it is when we are frugal that we are really uh, joyful because our, our gratitude is sort of an overflow. Uh, when uh, the vessel is full, then it overflows in gratitude. Well, if you make the vessel a little smaller, it will overflow sooner and the joy will come sooner. Uh, <laughs> if, we, if we reduce the enormity of our demands... That's right, and, and the, the whole idea of um, entitlement, which is so widespread in, in our civilization and in the West in general, uh, that uh, makes the vessel bigger and bigger every time it gets full. Uh, we make it bigger, and this year's uh, needs were last year's wants, and uh, this year's wants will be next year's needs. We are told we really need it. It's just something that everybody has to have. And so before the vessel has a choice of uh, a chance of overflowing, uh, we have made it bigger and there is uh, still more affluence. That's, that's how I see it. I think gratefulness would be the one key, key attitude towards um, stopping that... Uh, overconsumption and that notion of entitlement, and thereby giving us much greater joy and much greater happiness than we are experiencing. And that's really what everybody wants. Everybody in the world wants happiness. You can count on that. While the monks of Mount Savior immerse themselves in ancient prayer, Brother David's campaign for gratitude reaches the outside world through books, articles, and a popular internet site, gratefulness.org. On our website, we have uh, uh, gratefulness for smells and gratefulness for sounds. And uh, you kind of challenge one another if you can still have, uh, come up with a smell that nobody else has mentioned as being grateful for. And uh, if you do this just once a day, for instance, you remind yourself of something that you can be grateful for, uh, it, it will increase, as I say, your aliveness and it will uh, make you more grateful. And the moment you become more grateful, it's of one piece you will also... Uh, need less in, in, in much bigger uh, respects. I have for many, many years now, uh, every day I've written down one little thing that I'm grateful for and I usually try to find something that I haven't been grateful for before. And as far as I can tell, uh, I haven't ev even come close to exhausting uh, the, the list and and uh, I don't think I repeat myself very often. And I write down things that uh, I've, up to that point, sort of taken for granted. Uh, could, could you reveal some of the, the, oh, the recent just, entries uh, in that diary? <laughs> I don't know how recent they are. But, for instance, when I come back from a third world country, uh, it's very easy to list uh, a warm room, electric light, 
uh, fresh water. You just turn on the faucet and, and out comes drinkable water. It's almost unthinkable. Uh, this sort of thing. Uh, I even, for a while, uh, took little slips of colored uh, paper, little uh, colored tape, and I put it on my light switch. And then when I switch on the light, I'm reminded, oh, what a blessing. I can have electric light at my fingertips. And uh, on the water faucet, I would put a little slip and, and be grateful for water. It, it makes me happy. That, that's just the whole point. It is not a, some uh, grim exercise and practice. Uh, gratefulness is a real practice. It is a real integral practice. It has to do with every part of your life. Do we have to really train ourselves to remember how much we have and to uh, focus on how grateful we can be for that? Well, I don't know. There may be some people who don't need to be trained in that respect. But uh, I, for one, find that uh, after many years, I still need to remind myself and to train myself. Uh, we get too quickly used to things, you see. This is, uh, this is one of the great, great problems, to, to get used to things. Take, take them for granted. Take them for granted. And the moment you take something for granted, uh, you, it, it no longer gives you the joy uh, that it gives you when, when you're grateful for it. You just take it for granted. Well, what's next? And if you reduce the number of things that you take for granted, uh, the number of things that give you joy go and go and go. history, people have made gratitude a routine through the practice of saying grace before a meal. The challenge for so many is just calming down long enough to give thanks for the essential blessing of food. Of course, the moment you start doing it, you find that it is so helpful and that then it uh, will be easier because you want to do things that, are, that make you happier and you will do it. So when you the first start is difficult to slow yourself down, but it doesn't have to be a long grace. It, one word is sufficient. Uh, certainly the Japanese are nowadays among the most rushed people and, and they have outdone us in, in, uh, after they learned from us, uh, from our particular type of society, that rushing and that quickness. But from my experience, even uh, among perfectly secular uh, Japanese, the majority of people will say this one word, itadakimasu. Uh, even if, in a, if you eat with, uh, well, just almost complete strangers, uh, somebody, like we would say, bon appetit, they would say itadakimasu. And that means uh, I have received, or I receive. But in Japanese, there are so many different words for receiving, uh, completely different words, whether you receive the gift from someone who is on your own social level, or a little below you, or very much below you, or a little above you, or very much above you. And this word itadakimasu means I receive from 
someone or something that is as high above me as anything can possibly be from the ultimate. And as I say, millions and millions of Japanese will pause just long enough before a meal to say, itadakimasu. Just to acknowledge having received. Just acknowledge having received. I haven't made it, I haven't brought it about. It is a gratis, it is a gift. And if you take things as a gift, well, that's gratefulness. Brother David Stendorast at Mount Savior Monastery in Ithaca, New York. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg, studio recording by Antonio Oliart Rose and Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Ken Rogers, Kathy Graham, Mark Kilstein, Thomas Royal, and Francis McGovern. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Barney Cole and to Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with Connie Goldman Productions. Program development provided by Short Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. And our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment, An Attitude of Gratitude, is Humankind Program number 233. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.